Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we get started, I do want to remind everybody, you can turn into tune into SiriusXM Channel 81 to catch the Ole Miss home team broadcast as they take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets Saturday night at 6.30 Central Time. David Kellum and the group will give you all those soothing sounds that we all love on the Ole Miss home team broadcast. Again, that's Sirius XM channel 81 at 6.30 Central, or just search the XM app, um, Ole Miss Rebels. Hey, I'm Stephen Willis, along with Brad Logan. We're going to do a little bit of extra preview going into the Georgia Tech game. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing very well, um, you know, kind of putting a bow on this, this two-lane game and kind of looking at where Ole Miss finished up. Uh, I think mainly, you know, we, we'll talk about the, the pros and cons, but I think more importantly, you go to New Orleans, and I said all along, you can't lose that game. Ole Miss didn't lose it. You come home. The rest of it really doesn't matter. It's a win, and you've got bigger uh, things down the road. So I think that's obviously what Ole Miss has in mind going forward. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hearing and seeing a whole bunch of stuff. Ole Miss and Alabama is on CBS, and everybody's talking about that game outside. And I don't know if it's because Ole Miss beat Georgia Tech 42 to nothing last year. I don't know if it's like a sandwich game, like truly a ranked road game, a ranked road game, and then there's Georgia Tech in the middle. But this almost just seems like a win-by-one type of football game, doesn't it? It's very similar to what we saw last week with Tulane. I've, I've gone on record by saying that it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia Tech were better than Tulane. And I think what Brent Key is doing uh, offensively with his, with the talent that he has, he hit the portal pretty hard. Uh, he's got a transfer quarterback coming in and Hayes King out of Texas A&M. And I think what they're going to be able to do offensively is very similar to what Tulane did. And and, and I think if you're Ole Miss or your defensive coordinator, Pete Golding, you want to remember the success you had in the second half against Tulane and limit uh, Georgia Tech and then come out early. I think it'll be a great crowd. It'll be at home, and it'll be a great opportunity for Ole Miss to get a win. But once again, I think this is one of those games, you, to use a basketball term, you survive in advance. And it's uh, really not as much how about how you win. It's about just getting the win and moving forward. Because like you said, uh, we asked Lane Kiffin in the press conferences, or actually someone in the media asked him if it was a trap game. I thought it was a good question. And Lane very quickly said, no, it's not, because we understand last year it was, what, 42 to nothing, or I don't remember, it was a pretty lopsided uh, game. And he says, no, we know what we did last year was a different team under Jeff Collins. This year, Brent Key has got some new things going. Who Brent Key, of course, coached with Lane Kiffin on the Alabama staff, so there's a familiarity there offensively. I think we'll see Ole Miss come out. You know, I, I took some slack on, on asking where Quinshawn Judkins was online. I got hit pretty hard. And, and to put some context to that, I think the, the question was, is, is where is Quinchon Judkins? He, he's only averaging 2.9 yards a play. Okay, well, here's where he is. The offensive line has some major issues that it's working through, uh, and you know he just hasn't had any holes to run through. So uh, I think we'll see a lot of Quinchon Judkins against Georgia Tech. You would hope you, you might see him break through because uh, we haven't seen that so far this year. Yeah, and it's an interesting situation. Now, I've talked about on my podcast all week that you're seeing teams play Ole Miss, and this goes on to about the last four games of last year as well. They kind of play Ole Miss like if you're playing a seventh grader playing Madden and they're doing engage eight where they just blitz and rush up eight people to the line of scrimmage. Now, 
whenever you just run into the teeth of that, Lane Kiffin's getting questions about that, about, hey, do you need to throw him out of it and stuff like that? And he has questions about the RPO um, and how effective it would be if Ole Miss just kind of committed to the pass to throw them out of that. It's kind of an interesting situation to where Lane has personalities to deal with, with Quinshawn, and everything's going on with that. And not just like, hey, committing, let's, let's, let's do something a little bit different from now and be effective in this moment. It, it felt like a little bit of a personality type thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. To me, it seemed like to where coming into from the preseason all throughout fall camp, um, I think everybody that, that you listen to, that I listen to, that, that, that we've been able to see, we've been able to talk to, pretty much evaluate everything, you know, really well. And in fact, I think the defense for, for a large part has performed better specifically the back half of the defense with DeAndre Prince having a all conference uh, yeah, caliber amazing. year so far. Uh, and I think with, I, I mean, Dejon Robinson is a transfer out of Liberty. I think he's played really well. The problem has been uh, Steven is the offensive line has just let everybody down. Jalen Williams did not start. We did not get an answer as to why that happened. Victor Kearney started and he was beaten badly at left tackle. I'm beginning to wonder if if you don't start seeing Jeremy James swap to the right side, then at some point you put Eli Acker at guard, then put Reese McIntyre at center, and then start looking about some ways you can incorporate a, a Cushman, um, ways you could incorporate Caleb Warren at some different spots. You know, Caleb's got a bad snapping hand, so this could be an opportunity to maybe use him at other places. We have not seen a cohesive unit at all, and there's been some experimentation uh, with that offensive line, but I think that's the number one culprit offensively. We saw Jackson Dart last year. I think he had five sacks. He, t- he, was, sacked five- he was sacked three times against Tulane. So we've seen defenses get to him. Now, a lot of that is because defense defensive line of Tulane was really good. I mean, I think they had a they had a really good and, defense, and, and they, they had a good game more plan. than Ole Miss can block. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And one thing too, uh, there are a couple of videos out there. Michael Trigg did a much better job blocking. He, he's been he's been uh, thrown under the bus a couple of times blocking, but he did, you know, he did block a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that that's a lot more than we've seen him block in the past. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's that offensive line, and then you've got the injury front with the wide receivers that that are going to have to be. At some point, uh, Zakiri and Franklin is going to have to to step up and be the receiver that everyone expected him to be because of the injury to Trey Harris. The good news is, is they don't think it's season ending. We asked Lane Kiffin at the end of the game, and he said no. He does not think it's season ending. Uh, we'll see if he plays this week. But I think everybody's kind of circling Alabama in a couple of weeks, not overlooking Georgia Tech by any stretch, but I think that's just the timetable to get Caden Prescore and the tight end back to get Trey Harris back and to get Zakiri and Franklin on the field. They've kind of looked at the target date of Alabama. You know, one thing that's interesting, and it kind of feeds into what I was talking about earlier, but not really. Against Alabama, this offense has a chance to be completely different looking because of those three wide receivers that could come back for that game, where you have Zachary Franklin, you have Caden Priestcorn, you have the return of Trey Harris. That may be the first game where Ole Miss's offense is actually fully loaded, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, you can do some stuff. You can, but but you can't do anything if Jackson Dart's being run all over the place. And, you know, the offensive line has to be corrected. And I don't know what that answer is. That's not for my job to do. That's John Garrison and Charlie Weiss Jr. and Lane Kiffins. But it's obvious that there are some issues there. I do expect that to be corrected this week. I'm very interested to see how that 
how the starters come out. And I'm also interested to see what type of rotation they have with the offensive line to see this week. And, um, you know, we'll see if there's any new faces. Uh, we know as it stands, uh, Micah Pettis came out and tweeted earlier this week that uh, that game was on him. He didn't play well, and that will not happen again. So they obviously know that uh, the spotlight is on the offensive line. I expect to be a, a much improved offensive line against Georgia Tech. As for any personality conflicts, I don't know. Um, you know, you start talking about NIL, you, you start talking about money, you start talking about uh, a lot of things that I just frankly don't know a lot about. Uh, I do think that that Ole Miss came together as a group in the second half against Georgia Tech. I think uh, Pete Golding did a uh, phenomenal job evaluating what happened in the first half. And uh, we talked about uh, Willie Fritz and how good of a coach he was. Well, Ole Miss proved how good of a coaching staff they were with the adjustments in the second half, limiting Tulane to only three points. Yeah, it was a 33 run. I mean, that that doesn't need to be overlooked by anybody. They they closed that game with a 33 run, won the game against a ranked opponent on the road. That that is all stuff that Ole Miss needs to get credit for. I mean, I, I joke about it, Brad. We we were talking about it on text the other day. I made a Greg Zolman um reference uh back in the old Vanderbilt days. And it it like I said, at the end of that two-lane game, that that initial gut reaction was like those old JP Vandy games, and Vandy rose up and and beat Ole Miss. And then you look up and it's like Ole Miss won this game by 17 points. Yeah, and and uh, there was a comparison last year that Jackson Dart actually made, and I actually made it as well. Is uh, you talk about Vanderbilt, this was very similar to the Vanderbilt game last year, where Ole Miss came out was actually down 17 to 10 at one point, and then Jordan Watkins. Uh, hit a pass across the middle and tied it up at 17. And Lane Kiffin talked about this year to where when he felt like that, and this is the most open I've, I've, I've actually seen him in a press conference setting, he says once we tied it up, it felt like the tide was beginning to turn. And then, you know, having a weapon like a Caden Davis to kick a 56-yard field goal, and there's actually a picture that I posted that uh, the ball was actually crossing at the top of the goalpost. I mean, he, that thing would have been good from 75. Now, he had a lot of wind behind him. But he still, you know, he hit it really well, and he's got a cannon of a leg. Completely changes the dynamic. Uh, the question is, is is what happens from the punting standpoint? I mean, I'm wondering if we might see Charlie Pollock. You know, he's the uh, the second team. You know, Fraser Mason is not someone that that has punted very well this year, and the punt coverage hasn't been great. We saw Tulane do some things on the punt return unit, so I expect to see. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, I should say, if there were changes there. But I'd like, I would like to see what Charlie Pollock could, could do. But uh, from a special team standpoint, Caden Davis is a factor. And uh, that I think we'll see Lane Kiffin do some things non-traditional uh, for him, and that's kick field goals when he would normally go for it. And uh, uh, we've seen that to be the benefit for Ole Miss, specifically against Tulane last week. Yeah, is the answer for Ole Miss rugby punting? Is that the answer? I, I, I don't know. Um, I just know that when you kick it and it goes 10 yards, you know, that's mm. that's not worth punting. That's worth just mm. going for it just line up and kick it. You know, we saw Ole Miss rugby punt even back during the freeze era. And, um, you know, you fast forward, and then they did a little bit of that to where the ball goes end over end, you know. And a lot of that is just to pin some, you know, pin you back. But even when Ole Miss was deep in its own territory and punted a couple of times, he, he, did, he didn't catch them very well. In warm-ups, he looks pretty good. So I don't know if it could be, you know, a snap issue or whatever, but that's something that needs to be uh, fixed before uh, Georgia Tech rolls into town. Yeah, because if you think about that two-line game, it, that really came down to three plays that Tulane made. Um, a punt return. Um, it was it was a short. I don't know if he directionally kicked it the wrong way, but it was 
it was like make one guy miss and it just opened up for Jaquan Jackson. There was like a 60-yard pass on the first drive, and that was two of their touchdown drives, I believe. They had the really short field, and they had that explosive. And if you look at the box score and everything, they had 20 points. You take those two away, and it turns into a, a much, much different perceived game. Yeah, and, and credit Willie Fritz. Uh, that was uh, that was all a mastermind of him and his offensive staff. They saw some things on film, and they exploited Ole Miss, and uh, they did a great job you know, scoring those those touchdowns and also getting setups to score those touchdowns because seeing a, a gap in the Ole Miss defense. So, I mean, it, it's a little bit of give, a little bit of take. But, you know, I think Ole Miss was spinning a little bit. Uh, Lane Kiffin even said in the press conference, um, specifically at the end of the game, uh, when we were able to meet with him in New Orleans, he said, you know, the guys just didn't quite feel right. It didn't feel right uh, in New Orleans. It was a road game. It was – you know, we had we had some great fans there, he says, but it was a road atmosphere. It just didn't feel like the intensity was there. You know, Tulane was up. I mean, they were really sky, sky high. high. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss was not. And we even saw um, Lane Kiffin at the beginning of the game you know, having a couple of words with some of the Tulane players. And that was, you know, there was a lot of emotional intensity. And that's, um, you know, something that Ole Miss – combated but they didn't do that until the second half you know credit Tulane for coming out with a great game plan with a lot of intensity and uh you know they hit Ole Miss in the mouth but Ole Miss responded and they responded very well to the tune I think you said 30 to 3 that's um that's a heck of a way to respond yeah they really did let's turn our attention to this week the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in Vault Hemingway Stadium 6 30 central time you can check out the home team broadcast on Sirius XM channel 81 or the SXM app searching Ole Miss Rebels. Now, Brett, the number one question I have for this first game or this game against Georgia Tech will be, will Suntary and Perkins feature more defensively this week? I, I think a lot of people are kind of taking it a little too far. We have to, I think, step back and understand that um, he's a freshman. I mean, he's a very talented freshman, but he's a freshman, and he did lead the team in tackles against Mercer. But I think last week it was more schematics. I, I know for a fact it was not anything discipline-related. I know it was not injury-related. Uh, it absolutely, I think, was uh, was schematic. And and I think it was a situation to where uh, they just uh, didn't feel like that uh, it was a time for him to go in the game. And I think as a, as a fan, as, you know, as media looking on, you're like, boy, what is going on? But I think that's just – Pete Golding and his staff understanding there's a bigger picture. And um, I think that's the main reason he didn't play with schematics. I would love to see him play this week against Georgia Tech in front of the home crowd selfishly because I think I really enjoyed watching him play at Raleigh. He was a phenomenal football player, and I think he's going to be great for Ole Miss. So, uh, But no, I don't think anything is was wrong last week. I think it was just a schematic decision by the, the coaching staff. Yeah, and I, before the season, I actually brought this up. It's like sometimes during the season, he's a true freshman. He's going to play as much as he can handle, and it might look a lot like 2003 Patrick Willis out there. Yeah, and, and here's another thing, too, for your audience to remember. Aiden Williams, he only played a couple of plays, and when he was in there, Stephen, they they targeted him one time, and he, he ran the wrong route. Mm -hmm. So that's not an indictment to Aiden Williams. He's got a huge future at Ole Miss. He's a freshman, and he's got to learn a very complicated offense, and I think time will come with that. Yeah. I think those guys will be um, all right. Now, who do you think will will surprise for Ole Miss on Saturday? I'm going to I'm gonna say a collective group. And I've been pretty hard on the offensive <laughs> line. 
but I think the top five are going to produce really well. I think I know they've had a really good week of practice, and uh, I feel like the offensive line will uh, will play well. Well, what's that mean? That means we're going to see Quinchon Jenkins open it up. Here's my problem, Stephen, and I'd love your thoughts on this. Uh, okay. I'm, I don't know that, st- that the problem is Quinchon Jenkins. I think a lot of the problem is we have not seen Ulysses Bentley. We have not seen Jam Griffin. Those two guys really take a step forward. And I think I think in order to Quinchon, for him to be good, we saw against Alabama last year when he, he just couldn't go anymore. There was no backup. Zach Evans had been knocked out. Bentley was hurt. I think there needs to be a competent backup. And right now, I don't know if we've been able to see that yet. So, I, I would sure, I would like to see Quinchon go for 200. But what I'd really like to see is see if we could get 50 to 60 yards for Jam Griffin, maybe a 60 or 70-yard performance for Ulysses Bentley going down the road to give Ole Miss an opportunity to see this is what we have in the cupboard uh, to help Quinchon Jenkins. We've seen no running game whatsoever. So, I think eventually you'd, you'd like to see that kind of blossom, and I think that's going to have to happen because the offensive line is going to have to play better if Ole Miss is going to win some games going forward. I think Charlie Weiss also needs to help this unit out and help Quinshawn out because against Tulane, for better or for worse, when they ran the ball, it was inside the hashes most of the time. When they threw the ball, it was outside the numbers. Yeah. And when the linebacker does not have to worry about being gotten behind them, they're going to be quick to rush up on the line of scrimmage. And it, and part of Quinshawn's gift and what makes him so good is his lateral movement, his feet, is able? he's able to take a solid hit and actually turn it into a glancing blow and take a glancing blow and turn it into a missed tackle. He doesn't even have the time to get those feet and that movement, which is a strength of Quinshawn Judkins, because they're rushing up to the line. So this is what I would like to see um, Charlie Weiss do against Georgia Tech and specifically against them in Alabama. I want to see some pistol runs where you line up Quinshawn Judkins and essentially the I formation back there and let him have some stuff. I want to see some outside running plays and incorporate the tight end, for goodness sake. Those pop passes that Mike Corral did to Kenny Yoboa and Elijah Moore, that stuff, that's in the offense. We can do that. We need to incorporate that as well, just so those linebackers have to worry about behind them and rushing up to get the running back which will give you that half a second running the ball to to break some stuff. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. But I do think we need to help them out with our play calling. Well, you know, many times in the first half, Tulane had eight in the box, and they were not going to allow Quinshawn Jenkins to beat them, not to mention the offensive line. Just They were struggling. They were struggling for a number of reasons. I think more than anything, they didn't have enough to block theirs. And so mm-hmm. – Credit uh, Ole Miss in the second half. What did they do? They went to the air. They got Quinshawn Jenkins out in space a little bit. They threw him the ball. We saw the—I forget how far the, the 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 throw and catch was, but I think it—you know—he got it out to Quinshawn the flat, and he ran for I don't know how many yards, mm-hmm. and that set up a touchdown. So uh, I I do think we'll 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 see some things like that. But I think if you're Brent Key and you're Georgia Tech, what you have to understand is that you understand that Tulane put eight in the box. And they stopped Ole Miss. But what did Ole Miss do in the second half? They changed. They got Quinshawn out in space. They utilized the pass down the field, and they really burned Ole Miss to the tune of thirty to three. So it's uh, it's one or the other. I think for Ole Miss, and I'll be honest, I really believe this was a great opportunity for Ole Miss to go down and find some things in New Orleans, and I think they did. I, I think they 
were able to see who was ready to do some things defensively, who was ready to do some things offensively. I think we saw some players come in and get some valuable minutes. I know Xavier Harris didn't have as good a game against Mercer. I mean, as he did against Mercer. But I think we, we saw some players come in uh, specifically in the second half and, and, do, and do a lot better. So let, let's see how that offensive front does against Georgia Tech, and I think uh, we'll learn a whole lot. But I do think Georgia Tech will not be as aggressive in stopping the run because I think they uh, they understand that Ole Miss can really, really hurt them with the pass. Yeah, and I also think that Tulane has a better defensive front than Georgia Tech. That That's yeah. going to help Ole Miss as well. Yeah. But, you know, changing the subject just a little bit, and we're 20 minutes into this video, and we haven't mentioned him yet. Jackson Dart is for real. He's, he's, he's the MVP of this team. He's, he's probably the best quarterback in the SEC right now. I'd, I would put him at the top, and and he's at, he's without question the MVP of this team right now. He he, uh, I've said this uh, on the post game. I said this, and anybody that's talked to me, he is the the guy that's put the team on his back and willed them to win in the second half. And uh, he understood the, the the play call at the end of the game to Michael Trigg. That was a check at the line of scrimmage, and that was simply because what he saw on defense. And he named the play, and he said all, everything that it was. But that is the type of quarterback that wins awards. That is the type of quarterback that leads a team. And uh, he has been so impressive. Uh, Ole Miss has some problems, but uh, Jackson Dart is not one of them. You know, and honestly, um, Jackson, especially in that fourth down, he looked like Matt. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it, it was a Matt Corral-type play, and that is as much of a compliment as you can give to Jackson Dart. And if he continues to develop and grow, there, he can do a lot because the quarterback can take you a really long way in this league. Yeah, we saw Matt Corral do that himself. He, um, The thing about Matt Corral versus uh, Jackson Dart, I think Jackson Dart has a lot more weapons than Matt had. Oh, yeah. And I think that's good for Ole Miss. But I knew the moment that Matt got the first down. He looked to the shooting section, and, you know, I'm not sure what he said, but he was pretty enthusiastic. I thought to myself, that's that's it. The game's over. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it was. And he he kind of took over the game at that point. But the, the, uh, the MVP, along with Matt, I mean, I think right there, too, is Pete Golding in that Ole Miss defense in the second half. They took the game over, and oh, yeah. they put so much pressure on Horton. They didn't allow Tulane to do anything in the second half, and that's that that really showed me a lot uh, to, because how bad the first half was. Yeah, if they're not niling um, for Jared Ivy shirts in the Ole Miss gift shop with a picture on it that says "Thick Six, they are missing an opportunity to make some money. Yeah, the first touchdown for Jack uh, for uh, Jared Ivy since the fifth grade. So I, that, a big big that, moment. Yeah, um, Miss Tracy watches the show. She's actually a big fan of the show, so she, she's really, really excited. What's going one on? One of, by the way, uh, one of the best pictures I've seen was uh, Jared Ivy in the stands. It's it's a picture from Jared behind, and it's a picture of one of his family members in the stands. It's 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 a really cool picture, and to me, that that epitomizes what college football is all about. It's a really yeah. cool picture. Yeah, it's one of those things. Ole Miss fans need to appreciate what they have with Jared Ivey. Um, he is personality-wise and all of that stuff. Um, it's, that's a rare get in modern college football, so definitely appreciate that. So before we get out of here, give, give me a prediction for Saturday. I think you're looking at a 42-17 to 17 type game. You know, I think Vegas had it at 21. It may be down to 19 at some books, but I think 42-19, to 19, 44 
to 21, somewhere around in there. I, look, I do look for the Rebels to win and roughly cover the spread, but it'll be closer than, than that in regards to, you know, I don't think they'll they'll blow them out like they did last year, but I do expect a 20-point win because I think there'll be some changes on offense and changes on defense. And, you know, I've said Georgia Tech may be better than Tulane. I think, you know, we'll see. I think offensively they might be a little better because with Michael Pratt, Tulane's probably better. But, um, you know, I think uh, I think Georgia Tech and Tulane is going to be kind of right there together, but I expect the Rebels to win by uh, three touchdowns. And before you get out of here, I mean, you're kind of a – a historian on Ole Miss as well. I, I think this is very interesting. I did a video last year before Ole Miss played Georgia Tech, and Ole Miss being the reason that Georgia Tech is not in the SEC now. Not that they left or anything like that. The reason they didn't get back in, because after their temper tantrum, they went independent and they tried and they thought about it, and then after about 10 years, they tried to get back in the league, and they had like a letter of recommendation from Bear Bryant, Vince Dooley, and those guys, really heavy hitters. But Bobby Dodd and Johnny Vault famously had a problem with each other. Bobby Dodd would not come to Mississippi and play Johnny Vault during the 50s. This is when both of those teams, this would be like Alabama refusing to play Georgia. That, that, that's what this would be. And um, because of that, basically it turned into a Steve Spurrier type stuff where Bobby Dodd was bragging about, hey, we're not going to play those guys and stuff like that. Well, a grudge developed between Ole Miss and even so Mississippi State. And to the point where when they tried to think about letting Georgia Tech back into the league in 72 or 73 or something like that, um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State's like, no, no, you you guys are good. And now Georgia Tech's in the ACC. And the thing about it is people don't realize this. I didn't know this until diving through the game notes. Ole Miss all-time three and two against Georgia Tech, and three of the five are in bowl games. Mm -hmm. Georgia Tech's yeah. never played in Oxford before. Yeah. So there was, this team – has no history whatsoever. Yeah, it, the game that started it all was a game um, the year before Johnny Vault in Atlanta. And then whenever Johnny Vault called to schedule the return game, Bobby Dodd refused to do it, and that's what started the whole thing. And then it was bowl game, bowl game, bowl game, and then the game in Atlanta last year. This is, this is the main trip. The whole reason that that grudge started was about playing games in Oxford, Mississippi, and that will come into fruition Saturday night. So, anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Brad Logan from Inside the Rebels 247. Where are you um, covering this weekend? You're doing high school football, right? Yes, we are uh, excited to do television for Max South Sports, and we'll be doing Oxford and Tupelo. Those are two. Blue Bloods in North Mississippi and uh, excited to, to see what Oxford has in store. You know, Oxford beat Lafette a couple of weeks ago pretty handily. Yeah. Tupelo is loaded with Ty Harden, fantastic coach. Chris Cutcliffe is one of the best in North Mississippi, so really fired up about the game on Friday. Yeah, check them out if you have access to Max South Cable. Check them out as they broadcast, I guess. Is that game in Oxford or Tupelo? It is in Oxford. And, okay, uh, so no yeah, blue should turn. be a good one. Okay. I, I can't I can't do that blue turf. I can't. The Boise State thing. Yeah. I, I have trouble with that. All right. Anyway, thank you, Brad, so much. And we'll catch you next time, buddy. Thank you.